Thank you, my sister, for such a beautiful song. Amen. Truly blessed. Take us back to our first love. Amen. It all started. Happy Sabbath to everyone. I hope you've had a blessed week. And we're here today just to reminisce and to worship and to just give God glory for all the blessings that he has bestowed upon us. Thanks for our visitors for being here. We pray that you'll be blessed. And I know we are blessed when we have visitors among us. So it's truly a blessed day. And so today, we are going to focus on Psalms 121 for a little bit. And our goal is to just encourage, strengthen each other for the journey, the spiritual journey that um, we are on as children of the Most High God. I want to read... Psalms 121 in your hearing, it says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Amen. We can just go home now. I knew I didn't have to preach today. That is enough of the encouragement. But we want to elaborate and reminisce on David and his just a few of his experience in his journey. See, the journey of faith is very intense. And it takes us to the deepest depths of life's challenges. It sometimes stretches us beyond what we are capable of normally doing in our own strength. But through it all, it gives us a glimpse of God that we would not have without that. Without this faith, without this stretching, we wouldn't see God the way we see him today. It requires faith to lift our eyes to the hills. Sometimes just to lift our heads requires a lot of faith. Especially when you can see the ob obvious snakes getting closer and closer to your feet. For example, in Numbers 21, after the Lord answered the prayers of the Israelites to give the people the victory, the next commentary we hear from the children of Israel is their complaining and causation 
of God who has just given them victory. What was their complaint? They questioned God's leading in their lives. They questioned his ability to provide the basic food and water to sustain them. Can you believe that? They spoke out against God and against Moses. Why did you drag us out of Egypt to die in this God-forsaken place, they said. The same God who has wrought so much miracles in their life. They claim that God didn't give them any decent food. They're out of water. They're tired of the food that God has provided for them. We're very familiar with this story that God anger was kindled and he sent poisonous snakes amongst them and many of them died for their ungratefulness. And so they realized that they had sinned and they repented and they asked the Lord to take the snakes away. And as we know, God asked Moses to sculpture out a snake and put it on a flagpole and when the people look up, that they will live. If the snake bit them, their only way to survive was to look up. Our only way to survive here as Christians is to look up. There is no other way. We must look up and lift up our heads to the hill from when cometh our help. We don't know how tall those flagpoles are, but we just know that they had to look up by faith. You see, right around us, in our eyes view and below us, are all the realities of life. We have sickness, we have disappointment, you name it, everything that would destroy us, every failure in life is right at our eye glimpse or below. So we're no match for Satan. So what we need to do is to constantly look up, lift up our eyes, because there's much to gain by looking up. Lifting up our eyes causes us to lift up our way of living, lift up our way of thinking, our attitude, our mannerism, our values. It changed our goal, the path we travel. Lifting up our eyes is the best thing that we can do as Christians for our spiritual growth. Because all our help comes from the Lord and we lack nothing as we look up to him. There is no failure in Jesus. He never, ever fails us. Today, you can be the most accomplished person in one area of your life. And everybody is tooting your horn, you're the best. And tomorrow, there's someone who is more accomplished in that same area, and then you become second or third place. You see, the things of this world are very transient, but God is that 
constant with us today and forevermore. He is still the same. You see, one of the challenges the Israelites had is that they wanted abundance every day. Every day they wanted abundance. But the truth is, without some scarcity in our lives, we won't grow. Many, many of the richest people in the world will tell you they were once poor. But it is those scarcity in their lives that make them the people they are today, the accomplishment that they have, the wealth that they have. And I just want to name just a few people. Howard Schultz, the man who helped Starbucks to be what it is today. He grew up in Brooklyn, New York in the projects. He today, he is worth $3.9 billion. He grew up in the projects. Kenneth Langone, he helped create Home Depot. He once worked as a caddy, a butcher, a ditch digger. Now, today, he's worth $6.2 billion. We know of Oprah Winfrey, grew up in Mississippi, poor, abused, and today she's worth $2.5 billion. Halle Berry, she once slept in shelters because she couldn't afford to pay rent. And now God has blessed with so much. You see, there are people who have taken the scarcity in their lives and used them as an opportunity to create the opposite of their past situation. And so the people of Israel had no excuse. They had a history with God. They knew the ingredients for success. They had seen success all around them. So they had no reason to complain. They could have trusted God to turn, turn things around, because he did. He still turned things around for them. But sometimes we prefer to complain and to carry on instead of lifting our heads in faith and asking God to really um, take over the situation. Yes, scarcity is whatever, in whatever form it comes. Whether it's not enough money, whether it's lack of health, shortened relationship, not spending enough time in prayer, Bible study, whatever form of scarcity that you have in your life. Just know that scarcity is an opportunity to develop faith muscles and to have friendship with Jesus. That's the only way we're going to grow. That's the only way those muscles are going to develop is that when we have scarcity, we have to rely and depend more on God. And I want to encourage you, instead of complaining, lift up your eyes to heaven because there is where all our help come from. We need to trust God in the days 
when he gives us just enough for today, as when he gives us much, so much that sometimes we can share. Trust him every day, no matter what. It's in looking up that we find a closer walk with Jesus. We find assurance of salvation. Lift up your eyes, not just to the hills, but above the hills, from whence come our help. We need to be in the very presence of God, constantly. He has all the resources we would ever need, so we will lack nothing if we look to him. You know, they say that Moses, uh, David wrote the Psalms of, out of his experience, and I really do believe that. He, he had an experience with God, and so this Psalms, he's not saying, I'm gonna look up to the hill because maybe my help come from the Lord. He's telling us from his experience, my help, all my help come from the Lord. I've been there. I've, I've had so much experience with God that I can tell you, no matter what you're going through, lift up your head because he has brought me this far and he will do the same for you. It's like he was giving a summary of that particular moment in his life. And his son Solomon did the same thing very eloquently when he said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandment, for this is the whole duty of man. Solomon lived all his life. He was rich. He had so many wives. There was no lack in Solomon's life. But he reached that point in his life and he said, let me sum up the conclusion of what life means to me. And what it is about is fearing God and giving glory to him for the hour of his judgment is come. And so his father David did the same thing before in Psalms 121 when he said, my help, all the help that I would ever need come from the Lord. That's how he summed up his life. And so we want to have that experience in our own life. And how did David get to this place in his life? Let's just look at a few things that happened along the way. You know, there was an opportunity, a challenge that we are well aware of of the Goliath experience and the enemy of God, the Philistine, challenging and taunting God's people. And all the men of war who were trained in that area were afraid of this strong, big Goliath. But David, the little shepherd boy, volunteered for that opportunity. And Samuel, the king, he said to him, you know what Samuel really said to David? He said, you are young, you are inexperienced, and you have short stature. You don't 
qualify for this position. That's what he said to him. And I just wanted to remind our young people who are here today to read that story again because that did not sway David. Sure, he was young. Sure, he was inexperienced. Sure, he wasn't as tall as his brothers. Sure, he wasn't um, trained in war as far as you know th th that kind of training was. But what did David say? He said, God qualifies me. <laughs> and he started to give King Saul his experience. He said, I'm prepared for this battle because my preparation came from the captain of war, the one who never lost a battle. We're friends. We know each other. We have a relationship. And I tell you how I've experienced him. You know, one time I was tending my flock and a bear came and tried to snatch one of my lamb. And this God helped me to tear that lamb out of the, the, the bear's mouth. And when he tries to fight me, God gave me the strength to just rip him apart. That's the kind of God that I serve. He's given me this experience with lions. And so I know that I'm not trained in the tactics of this world's training. But what I have is that I prioritize my preparation. And my preparation, I know, is a little bit different because Jesus is my captain. And I know with him that I will be successful, that the Goliath will be defeated. So I'm glad today that he wasn't discouraged. And he knew how he was qualified. He knew that, yes, it is good to have training. But if that training is not surrendered to Christ, I tell you, it's not the same. And so God wants us to trust him. Trust him. Lift up our eyes onto the hills from whence comes our help. And so David continued to have experience with God. We know that he won the war with God, not because of that little stone, not because he was good at aiming, but all of it was because God was with him and directed everything according to his will. And he was able to be a victor for God. Amen? Amen. I just want to remind our young people, our children here today, that it was not David that won this war with Goliath. It was not in his own strength. It was in the strength of the Lord. It was because he's a praying youth. And he asked God to help him. So whatever it is that you're going through, there may be some giants in your life as children and as youth this morning that you won't be able to solve on your own. I just want you to know, you can trust the same God of David today. 
that any Goliath in your life, he can take them down. I don't know if you noticed that all of these trained men of war were afraid of Goliath. You know why? Because they were fighting in their own strength, their own experience, their own qualification, their own skill. But we must fight this war, this good walk of faith in the name of Jesus. Amen? And he will see us through. Look to Jesus for your strength and your guide. You know, I imagine King Saul looked around and he's trying to persuade David saying, you know, you're not qualified. You're too small. You're too young. You don't have the experience. But he looked around and he realized he has no other volunteer. <laughs> no other volunteer for that assignment. And so he had to say to David, go and the Lord be with you. And surely God was with David. You know, David's experience was a rich one. He sent Samuel to the house of Jesse to anoint a king. And there were eight boys there. Yet even Jesse, David's father, didn't see David as qualified. And so he sent out all his other sons that were leaders of war and tall and strong. But Samuel knew that's not what God wanted. And he pressed upon him. Is there another child here? Is there just one more? And so little David come forward. Do you see the pattern? When you put God in your life, that you may seem insignificant to family, to friends, to the world, but that God qualifies you? Because here again, Jesse sent out all his sons except David, but God had a message for him. He said, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So the qualification comes when we surrender our life to him. Not just what you see outside, but what's inside and the relationship that we have with the Lord, that is most important. And so David the shepherd boy not only was crowned king as a child, but he decided to use the gifts that God gave him to glorify him. You see, when, when you're close to God and you have this relationship with him, just one thing just adds to another, and he opened doors for you that you know, would never be open unless you were in that relationship with him. So David was a part of music ministries. He played his harp, he sang, and you know what? That gave him the opportunity when Saul was sad and could not be comforted. Guess who was called to the king's house? 
David, same little boy David, that everybody passed by, seemed insignificant, but in God's eyes, he was so important. You see, going to the king's house and playing for the king is a big deal. What if the White House were to call a few of us here to come play and sing for them? It would be a big deal. We'd practice night and day, we'd get every note correct. We would just be elated to that position because not everyone is called to these positions, but David was because of his relationship with God, and number two, he was willing to be in ministry with God. And so when you're in ministry with the Lord, there are some opportunities and there are some experience that God exposed you to that he could not expose to you otherwise. And so we need to keep the door of our hearts open to be able to do God's will so that he can use us in ways that he would not normally get the opportunity to use us. And even then on the assignment, on one of those assignments, Saul got so mad with David because the people after the war were singing, Saul has killed his thousand and David his 10,000. And he couldn't stand to know that God was with him so much, and so he tried to kill him, but God saved his life. Amen? And so we can know that God will protect us. He will take care of us. He said he neither slumber nor sleep. So no matter what time it is, God is on the business of protecting his people. And so today, I just want to reinforce the testimony of David that God takes care of us. Continue lifting up your eyes to the hill. Continue praying. Continue studying the word of God. Continue on the journey. Don't stop. Don't falter on the way. And if you do, get up again and start. And keep on going. You know, I, I was reading, trying to do some research, and they say that David Livingston, when he went on his missionary journey to Africa, that Psalms 121 was one of the Psalms that he took with him and recited that and sang it every day of his life for God, during his mission to Africa. And today we have two missionaries from Garland Church going to Kenya on Monday. And I just want to say we claim Psalms 121 over you. You're traveling to a land that's foreign to you, you and the whole crew. But find courage in knowing that the God of David will be with you as long as you keep looking to him for everything. Remember as you go, all your help comes from the Lord. 
And he doesn't promise that there's not going to be a little twist and turn. Because without that, it would just be a mission trip. You see, he wants you to have an experience. He's not sending you over there just to help the people in Africa. He's sending you over there to help you to grow in a relationship with him. So I'm not praying that you have everything just flow smoothly. I'm praying for an experience so that when you come back here, you would know God in a way like you've never known him before. You, God is going to create some scarcity in your life that you have to depend on him. So go with God. Claim Psalms 121. Claim the word of God wherever. But know that God will be with you and see you through. For those of us here, I just want to remind us today, we are all on a journey to the new Jerusalem. And along the way, the bears and the lions will come out at us. But if we are wrapped up in Jesus, we're going to be okay. There are a lot of necessities for the journey. But you know what? God wants to do something bigger than ourselves in us and through us for the cause of God. There are some Goliath ministries that the Lord may be calling some of us to. We've never done it before, and we don't know that we can do it. And that's the place God wants us. He loves to give us Goliath ministries so that at the end we'll know it's him. It has nothing to do with us. Just our willingness to obey. God may be calling a youth from this church to start a small group for children of your own age. You know, he may be calling to start some kind of a ministry that we as adults, we don't even know that there's a need, but God knows there's, there's a need. And he may be tugging at your heart right now for these things. You know, he may be calling someone here to full-time ministry, to health ministry. I don't know. I just know from personal experience that ministry keep you in the presence of God. It, I'm sorry. It keeps you praying. It keeps you in the word. It gives you experience with God. And I just want you to have the same experience. I remember I, didn't, I wasn't born into the Seventh-day Adventist church. I came in by way of um, evangelism meetings. And I remember coming in and wanting to do something for God right away. And I remember getting with the young people my age and saying, you guys know the Bible, you know, you can really share it. Can we just meet on Friday nights and just study together and maybe that will give some of us who are just new confidence that we could study the word of God. And so we did, we'd meet on Friday nights and our only 
We only had Bible readings for the home. We didn't have amazing facts and prophecy and this and that. All we had was Bible readings for the home. But it did the job. Praise the Lord. We learned. We got confidence. And then later on, a few months, um, the literature evangelist leader said, would you like to try out going to homes and, you know, just sharing Jesus and selling some small literatures? And I said, sure. And I tell you, I got hooked on that thing so much that I quit my job, and for the next 10 years, I went into full-time literature evangelism work. And I want to tell you, it wasn't always easy. But it, those were the best days of my life. Best days of my life when I know God and have an encounter and an experience with him. I remember one occasion, I went to this lady's home and she had asked me to come at a particular time. And I was there, but she wasn't coming, and my feet got tired. And I said, well, her porch is just right there. Maybe I can go there, sit down for a little while until she gets home. I opened the gate, opened the gate of her porch. There was a chair. I sat down in the chair. And for about 20, 25 minutes, I sat there, took a load off my feet until she showed up. When she showed up and saw me, on that porch. She looked as if she had seen a ghost. She hurriedly came in, and she had never taken me inside the house before, but this time she took me inside. And she said to me, how did you get in to the gate? I said, well, I just opened it, it wasn't long, and I came in and I sat there. And about that time I hear, ruff, 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 ruff. And she said, you know, I have a guard dog that lets no one inside this gate. Big old German shepherd. I don't know how you got in, but I know it was God's protection. She had to go tie that dog up for me to leave. And so these types of experience has helped me even today because sometimes we walk into the enemy's camp innocently but God protects us Amen. he takes care of us he delivers us amen? amen he doesn't always deliver us though because there may be someone sitting here saying well that's good and fine but there was a time that the dog bit me and there was a time that this happened and that happened. Is God, is this the same God we're talking about, the one that delivered you? Why didn't he deliver me from out of my situation? So I'm going to tell you one time when I wasn't delivered. I fell into an empty swimming pool one time and I went to a wedding. I was inside the room, and then someone invited me outside. I had no idea what was going on outside, and this thing looked like a nice little pattern and everything. And I'm walking, and the next thing I knew, 
is that I hear like I'm in a dream and someone is screaming, try and come to the side, let's pull you up. And I'm like, what is going on? And so I reach over and try to get to the side of, and, and, and I put my hand up and, 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 and the next thing I know, I was sitting there and I'm hearing the ambulance and you know everything is going on around me. And then I was in the hospital and you know, those who were there said, when you fell into that pool, it sounded like a log, like a tree just dropped. And we didn't think that you would make it. We didn't think that you would live. But the doctor said, well, what the damage I see, you have a broken hand, a chipped tooth, you have a knee that's, you know, you're going to be walking with a limp for the rest of your life because your knee is so badly damaged. And I want you to know that I questioned God about that. I said, Lord, I prayed before I left home. I prayed when I got in the car for your protection. And here I am. How, why did you let this happen to me? But you know what? We pray, but we don't listen for the answer. <laughs> we just keep on praying because we want to hear what we want to hear. But one day, God got my attention, and he said to me, you're alive. How about that? You fell into an empty pool. How many people you know of that fell into an empty pool at the deep end and is still alive? And so I had much to give God thanks for. And then I was walking down the street one day, and I realized I wasn't walking with a limp going on here? And I stood up there and all by myself, I just gave God thanks that he has been so merciful to me. And so the, for the rest of my life, I found myself just doing more for God, being in ministry, and all this was a part of my gratitude. Because now God says to me, the, t the life that you now live is my time. It's my life. It's not yours. It's not borrowed. It's my life. I saved your life so that you can continue to be of service to me. And that is how God wants us to be. He wants us from a heart of gratitude, a heart of love, to serve him all the days of our life. So, yes, God doesn't always answer the prayer the way we want him to answer it. But he does answer it the way that will draw us closer to him and in a way that will give glory to his name. And that we know we can trust him. We can lift up our heads to the hill. And on this journey to the new Jerusalem, we can keep going. We can keep going in confidence. There'll be bandits along the way. But if it's God's desire, he will protect us, and he will see us through. Amen? You know, he wants to plant our feet on higher ground. That's what he wants to do with his experience in our life. He doesn't want us to keep being the same, praying the same prayer every day. He want to give us a new prayer. He wants us to lift our heads 
beyond the stars, beyond the sun, and to him who whence cometh our help. Because the truth is, if all we have in this life to hope for is a bigger house, a better job, as many children as we desire, grandchildren, if we just want to enlarge our borders in this world, we are all men most miserable. Because these things happen, sometimes you accomplish them, but they are let down <laughs> at the end. Have you ever um, planned on a vacation, and you plan for a long time, and you pack your bag, and you're so excited to go on the vacation? And then you get there, and the first day you're excited, yeah, we have to go see this, have to go do this and do that. And the second day, the third day, you start putting some things back in your bag to go home. You're already homesick. You're already ready to go home. That's how life is. You know, you're built up and you, all of a sudden, there is just this letdown in life. But with God, the more you get to know him, is the more you're excited about him, is the more you grow, is the more you want to see him, is the more heaven seems real and there is no letdown. So no matter where you are in the journey of, to the new Jerusalem, keep moving forward by faith. You see, a young lad was reading a book when he noticed the character he chose as his hero was getting beaten and just wasn't succeeding. And so he just like, you know, I'm tired of this. I'm just going to just read the end of the book and let it be. And so he read the end of the book. And he found out that his hero won in the end. Amen. So he said, now I can read this book. Amen. He went back to where he left off. Yes. And he started reading. And his character keep. He said, that's okay. Because I know in the end, you're going to win. God has given us the same opportunity by giving us the word of God. He gives us everything. We know how the story will end. We know in Revelation 21, verse 1 to 4, it tells us that we, he saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first had passed away. No more pain, no more crying, no more dying. We know how the story will end. And so we can have confidence as we're going through, even though we get tossed and torn and beaten up in this world. We just need to go to the back of the book and look and find courage that the story is going to end in our favor, that heaven will be ours, and we don't have to give up. And Psalms 121 tells us, stay on the journey. Don't give up. And I want to say to someone today who maybe have fallen off the journey, and if you're here today or you're online, God is calling you back to get back. Because we know, as our Zachariah said, that sin takes you farther than you plan to go. And it keeps you longer than you plan to stay. And it costs you more than you want to pay. But it's time to get back on the journey. Because Jesus says to us, his love will reach us no matter how far 
we have gone. No matter how long we have been on the journey, he's still waiting for us. And he says to us today, what is the cost for sin? Is, it my, is my life enough? Is my blood enough? I give it all just for your salvation. So get back on the journey so that we too can all head in the same direction. New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven. I encourage us to be faithful, to not give up, to not give in, but to hold on to Jesus, looking to him who is our God, our King, our Savior. If this is your desire today, I would like you to stand with me as we pray that God keeps us looking up, faithful, and on the journey. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your encouragement to our hearts today. That we don't have to give up, Lord, that you are there. If we hold on to you, you will keep us. And even sometimes when you allow us to fall, and we fall hard, you send angels to protect us. And if it's your will for us, your work is not finishing us, you'll prolong our lives so that we can live for you. So, Lord, I, we, we dedicate our lives again to you. And we stand saying, Lord, I want to stay on this journey. I want to stay with you. I want to keep praying. I want to keep studying your word. I want to keep in ministry with you. So that when you come, just not us, Lord, but those who you help us to come in contact would know you as Lord and Savior. In your name we pray. Amen.